This episode of the Lawyers Hip Hop Happy Hour is sponsored by the law offices of Alfred Guillaume III, a boutique criminal defense firm located in Washington, D.C. The firm specializes in defending federal criminal cases. You can learn more about the firm by visiting our website at guillaumelaw.com. That's G-U-I-L-L-A-U-M-E law.com. In this evening's interview, I will be speaking to intellectual property attorney Nakia Gray. Nakia is the principal owner of her own law firm in Washington, D.C. She specializes in copyright, trademark, and other business-related issues. To learn more about her, you can visit her website at NakiaGray.com. She also offers lots of useful advice on her social media pages, especially on Instagram and TikTok at NakiaGrayESQ. Now that you've learned a little bit about Nakia, let's get to it. Thanks for coming. I know it's been a long day for you. As we talked about off camera, you uh, told me I was going to have to pay you some money to p- appear to, on this show, and I don't have any money yet. <laughs> so, uh, you know, thank you for doing this public service for us. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Anything for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, Nikia, you actually are my attorney. You're, you represent me. So a lawyer representing another lawyer. Why don't you tell the people what you do and what kind of attorney are you? Well, I am an intellectual property attorney, and so I help people create, protect, and monetize their intellectual property. So that means I do some copyrights, I do some trademarks, contracts, anything, all things business. Right. And for me, you represent um, specifically the Lawyers Hip Hop Happy Hour, the name, which we're in the process of trademarking. Yes. Uh, The name, the, the eventual, the logo, all that so if anybody tries to steal this wonderful idea that we've come up with. They can forget about it. Because <laughs> she is a bulldog. Don't be fooled by the nice smile. She's a bulldog and she's going to get you. We going to get them. We going to get them. I'm think. not going to do nothing, but I'm going to pay you some money and you're going to get them. <laughs> and it's going to be a sad day for whoever you come after. That's right. So um, full disclosure, as many of our listeners know, I love my Howard University. You are a proud graduate of Howard University School of Law. H-U? You know. (laughs) And you are also a Washingtonian as well. Yes, yes. So little known fact, most of the people that that went to the Howard Law School, they're like, I'm not going to say most, but yeah, I guess most are not actually from D.C. Correct. Myself included. And... um, you graduated law school in 2006. Yes. You were, I graduated in 2005. Yes. We were just talking about a sensitive topic, I, yes. but I, I told you I wasn't going to bring it up, but I lied. <laughs> you were supposed to be in my class. Yes. Which was a pretty awesome class. Yes. Yes. And yes. I'm, I'm glad that you give us that love and respect. And you really are, you know, you're not to use the term honorary, but you know, you're. I am. I'm, I'm one of y'all. You know, right. I think that when you. I think that the issue was I went to the open house and I went through all of those initial, you know, getting into the school with your class, the class of 2005. Right. So I thought I was going to be a part of that class. That's where I made friends. Right. And then I found out I was pregnant with my little Michael, who's going to college in a couple right, months. Right, right. So, so that's, just... that's how long ago that was. Now, see, I wasn't going to date you, but you have dated yourself. I have so, dated myself. So yeah. now we can just have an open conversation. <laughs> I never try to date people, but you want to date yourself, let's go. Yeah. So I found out I was pregnant with Michael, 
and I deferred my acceptance for one year. So Sweet. when I got there, I knew a lot of people because you all were there, but you all were in your second year, and I, I was coming in as right. one else. So not only, um, and this is interesting, because when you think of, uh, you know, we're the same age, you're born the same year. We actually, just, we were the same astrological sign, which, you know, I don't even know that we need to say it because it's the best one there is, right? They already know they already that they were Sagges. I mean, right? They already know. <laughs> <laughs> so you took some time off yeah. between undergrad and law school as well. Yes. Um, what did you do in those three years? So I took four years off, actually. So I um, believe it or not. I was in the fashion industry. Wow, you were very fashionable, so I can believe that. Yeah, so I I went to, um, I, my undergraduate degree is in business and marketing, which is probably not that surprising to you either. And I went into the fashion industry. I was an assistant buyer for a major retailer, and it was a Can great, we say which retailer it was? We can. It was Hex, okay. which is a, a division of made department stores. That was a, a pretty large um, retailer of department stores. They owned uh, Lord & Taylor. There were different ones all over right. the country, national chain. And D.C. was the I seem to offices. remember that when I first moved here. That, that You probably do, right. yeah. So D.C. was where the headquarters was for Hex, which is unusual, right? D.C. is not, you know, a fashion capital. and But it was the... That was where the corporate offices were. So I went there. I was an assistant buyer. This was in, you know, times were so good in those in those 90s. Oh, you know, yeah. this was the Clinton administration. This was the dot-com era. So a lo- there was a lot of moving and shaking. People were leaving jobs. It was more jobs than people to fill them. So I, you know, was promoted very— So you were making quickly. money pretty quickly out of yes, college. immediately. Good money. Good money, right? And then you, what made you decide to give that money up and go to law school? Well, you know, I I was always supposed to go to law school, right? So I I grew up, everyone in my family, all my teachers, everyone said, you're going to be a lawyer. You need to be a lawyer when you grow up. Right. You talk okay. too much. You argue yeah. too much. You need to be a lawyer. Yes. So I went you to- You told I, me I have to pay you to appear and we don't <laughs> pay our guests, but yeah. Right. So, I mean, I was destined to be a lawyer, right? So, but here's the thing. When you grow up, you know, I grew up in, in D.C. I was the first person in my family to go to college. Everyone wanted me to be a lawyer. Nobody really knew what that meant right. or how to get there. I don't think any of us know what right? that meant, right? So I actually believed that when I went to undergrad that I was going to be a lawyer at the end of those four years. <laughs> I thought that. That's what I thought. Right. I, I'm going to I'm going to college. I'm going to be a lawyer. Now, where'd you go to undergrad? Shout out your school real quick. University of Maryland, Eastern Shore. Okay. And you were a proud member of Alpha proud Kappa Me- Service. Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority. Say, yes. Alpha Kappa Alpha I was Alpha trying to say, you cut me off. Incorporated. <laughs> let's, let's put some respect right. on it. Yes. 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 So I, how many I, years How many years in the sorority? 25. This is my silver right. anniversary. Congratulations. Silver, silver year. 25 years. In sisterhood and service. Two. The Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Yes, okay? ma'am. I got so, you. I'm so sorry. I went to the University of Maryland Eastern Shore, which is an HBCU in Maryland. I went there to become a lawyer. So I was an English undergrad major originally. My sophomore year, meeting with my advisor, and I'm like, yeah, because I'm going to be a lawyer. And she's like, girl, what you talking about? You ain't going go to go to law school. She's like, you got to go to law school. And I'm like, you mean to tell me I have to do four years here and then another three? Oh, no, I don't have time for that. So I switched my major my sophomore year, and I, I said, I'm not going to be a lawyer. So you wanted to be in business. So I wanted to be in business. 
And um, so then September 11th happened. I was at working at Hex. I had been promoted several times. I was making very good money. September 11th happened. The, the recession came. Hex went out of business. They were bought out by Macy's. And when Macy's bought Hex, everyone that worked in the corporate offices had to either move to New York or San Francisco. And you're a D.C. person. I'm a D.C. person. You was not trying to leave I was a full, whole, grown adult with a husband and two children. (laughs) Right. That was not going to happen. So that's when I said, well, you know what? Maybe now's the time I should go ahead and do what I was always meant to do, and that was go to law school. And you chose the best law school in the universe, so. And funny thing, I was not going, I did not want to go to Howard. Really? You know, maybe because you're from D.C. It is because I'm from D.C. It is. You know, I think that. Kind of take Howard for granted, right? We take Howard for granted. It is, it's just the school over on Georgia Avenue. Right. You know, but it's. Except the law school's on, uh. Venice. Venice, yes. Venice. We're in the fancy part of town. Yes, uptown. Because <laughs> we fancy. We are. We are. We are. So I did not. I I was I was sleeping on Howard. Right. And I went to that open house where I met all of your classmates. Right. Probably met you. I was there. You I were was, there. I remember. I came and from New I Orleans. I was like, I gotta go to this school. Right. It was magical. Honestly, and this magical. is like, you know, people don't understand. Yeah. But when I when I set foot on Howard's campus. It literally was magic. Yeah. I was like, and I, I went to HBCU undergrad. I went to Xavier University in New Orleans. And I was, you know, that's, I had a great experience. Yeah. But when I went to, well, when I first stepped on Howard's campus, yeah. the law school campus in particular, yeah. I was blown away. I was like, wow. You, 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 the energy is, I gotta be here. Like, yes. I need to be here with these people. I need, I wanted to like save the world. Like, I left there like, I would have cried so bad if I did not get accepted. Right, right, right. And and thankfully, I was with your class because everybody, almost everybody that applied got in that year. That was the The largest year. class, yes. That was the <laughs> largest class in history. So I slipped on in there because I did not do very well on the LSAT. I did not. But somehow, I, I made it in. And once you're in, you're in. Once so you're in, you I are was in. Able to, and it's to on defer. you to perform. Yeah. So... One of the things that I'm very interested in hearing about that I don't think we've ever talked about is how did you manage a young child? Two. Being, two young children, yes. being a, And a newborn, essentially. Yeah. While you were in law school. And it's the rigor of the first year in particular. Yeah. How did you manage that? So I have the most amazing supportive husband in the world. So I'll start with that. My husband was very supportive. He knew how much I wanted to go to law school and he did not want anything to come in the way of that. So when I started law school, my son was seven months. He started daycare when I started law school. So I had been home with him. My daughter was five. And it 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 was hard. Yeah, I'm not, it's hard. I can only it imagine. It was so hard. I had kids later on, and it's hard I was, when I was working. But yeah. I can only imagine when I was in school, like, how will, do you do it? I will say that being... You know, go, having law be like my second career. You know, um, working in the retail space was 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 as rigorous as law school. Honestly, I mean, it really? was a very demanding job, uh, long hours, a lot of that. I mean, everything's an emergency. Have you ever and you seen, had your daughter at that point. Yes. Have you ever seen uh, the Devil Wears Prada? 
I have. Okay. And that's Meryl how, Streep is yes. the bomb. Shout out Meryl Streep. And that's Ooh. how my boss was like that. Every, 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 every woman that worked in the fashion industry was like that. So really? that's how that job So that stereotype was. is true. It's very true. Wow. Very true. So when I went to law school, I treated it like a job, right? So it was like eight to five. So I would, and at that time, we had, we had one car. I had gotten in a really bad car accident when I was pregnant with my son. Wow. And I was I didn't, I didn't almost died. Wow. I almost got hit by a drunk driver in a Southeast D.C. And so I didn't drive for, for two or three years. I was scared to drive. Wow. So I, my husband, we would get up in the morning, get the kids ready. He would drop me at the Metro, drop each of them. My daughter was in preschool and my son was in daycare. And then he would pick, I would leave law school at five o'clock, get on, on the Metro. Job. So I was treating it like that. Right. Get home. We would tag team. I'm cooking dinner. He's doing baths. Wow. Story time. But they were such, in the bed by 730. Such a different experience from what I had. I mean. Really? Well, yeah. You know, I was. So 730, they were in the bed. <laughs> and I would I would study. I would study again from like, you know, 8 to 1130, 12 o'clock. That, that was my schedule. And you'd maintain that for three years. Well, it got harder. Honestly, because in second year, I was working at PDS, at the PDS Public is, Defender. PDS is what for people who don't know? It's the Public Defender Service of the District of Columbia. So I, I wanted to be a litigator. So I was doing, I was working there. And then I also worked for a solo practitioner. So I was working and, you know. Yeah, you were doing a lot. I was doing you, a lot. And working. third year, I was in the criminal justice clinic. So that was less classwork. Right. But I was representing I was going to see clients in the jail and representing people. So Right. I was in that clinic as well, I think the year before you did it. Yes. Uh, so I'm aware of the 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 uh the demands of such things. It's crazy yeah. that you had kids. I mean, I you know, I didn't have any responsibility other than to go to class and we know Howard was no is known. I'm not gonna say it's a party school, but <laughs> when you put dynamic folks like that together, we tend to have a good time. But well, you, you experienced some of that as well, right? A little bit. But, you know, I do think that the experience of someone who's native to the area is very different. Absolutely. Right? I can so understand that. So for me, law school was a part of my life, right? I was just trying to fit law school into my life. But if you moved here, law school was law school was your life. Right. So that's a very different dynamic. So for me, it's like, look, I got you know, family baby showers. Right. I got line sisters here. We got this. I got birthday parties. Right. My kids have friends. They have parties. So I did not, I wasn't fully, I didn't have the same experience. But yet you still love the school. I do. <laughs> I do. I absolutely love. I would not trade that for anything. What was your favorite thing about going to law school? And Howard in particular, what was your best memory, I guess, of, of that time. I just did a TikTok on this. Great question. Really? So, yeah. So our, my first year, we were um, Dean Dark. You know, Dean Dark. She, I do know her. Uh, she was Professor Dark at that time. She coined our class, the Brown at 50 class, because we were the class that was coming in that, um, that year that Mark the 50th they anniversary the 50th of the Brown versus Board of Education of decision. Brown versus Board of Education decision. And so that was just so monumental to me, and it just touched me so much. Um, in our in the spring, which was 2004, which was the which was the um was the year. The, the yeah, the anniversary. We had year. this huge event. I don't know if you remember. I do kind of remember that actually. And some of the plaintiffs 
from the case. Those little kids who are now in their fifties and sixties. At the time, actually, yeah. Yes, and they were there. I got to shake their hand. Now, see, I didn't do that. That's amazing. I will never forget that till the day I die. And obviously, we know Thurgood Marshall is an alumnus, yes. alumni of, uh, of Howard University School of Law. Yes. So our tradition runs deep. Yes. So that whole year, I learned so. I'm mean, of course in college, or maybe maybe I didn't maybe. learn anything about it in college. We might have heard you. the case, but you at least had heard of the case. I, barely, right? barely. But I do not believe that there is a law school in this country that I could have gone to in 2003 that I would have learned as much as I learned about that monumental case, about Thurgood Marshall, about all of the attorneys that fought for equality for black people in this country. Certainly I wouldn't have gotten to shake the hands of these kids that were integrating schools. So for me, I will forever, forever feel, I have chills right now just remembering that day. It 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 was so powerful. Like, oh my God, this is like, this is amazing. Right. That is an amazing story. You know, I started off the interview with um, calling the the term used to describe you as the ultimate entrepreneur. (laughs) And, you know, for our listeners who don't know you, you know, you're very active on social media. Yes. So uh, what are your social media? Let's just get that out of the way. What's your social media handles? Where can they find you on social media? All that good stuff. Because I'm going to talk about how you inspired me. Okay. So I am on Facebook. Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and, and and TikTok. So on on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, my handle is at Nakia Gray ESQ. And you are a master of social media. Let me just say, I love social. Before media. during this interview, like you know, we always come in, we ch- chat, and you know, talk, catch up with guests. But you're like recording content to post on your social media. Yeah. And every time I've ever been around you (laughs) in the last, I don't know how many years, it's the same thing. Yes. You are always on your grind. And I respect that because I don't know if you remember this. Years ago, before I um, started working for myself and opened up my my office, I was talking to you about it. And, uh, you know, I was like, "Ah, I don't know, social media and this and that. And it was kind of like, it wasn't like it is now. Right. And you were like, you got to get on it. You got to do it. And, you know, you have to, you know, just put this content out there. Yes. And you have remained true to that advice. Yes. To this day. Yes. Matter of fact, you're so, such an entrepreneur that you never, I don't know that you ever, when you got out of law school, you've never worked for anyone but yourself. Is that right? Well, I did. So I when I, I started my practice right out of school, and... So you started your own law practice out of school. Right out of school. Which yes. is really just crazy, <laughs> right? I mean... Maybe. I, apparently not, because you've done pretty well, but... Well, listen, Alfred, here's a, the here's a deal. You know, we talked about... I was making good money but when I left Hex. So for me to walk away from that job and now... We're now four years later because you got three years of law school plus a year of studying for the bar and getting admitted to the bar. Right. I didn't do all that to make the same thing or less than. So so these 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 folks was disrespecting me with these salaries (laughs) like and also because I was for me, the 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 pool of jobs was small because I had a family. So my 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 husband and children had sacrificed a lot. 
So you were ready years. to. So I was ready. I needed to be there. My right. husband, he's great, but he's like, okay. It's time. It's time. Let's, let's get it. So I needed to be able to be there. Uh, my son was three. He was three, and he was going into big boy school, going right. to preschool. And my daughter was going to, I want to say she was going to second grade. So they were getting very active. I needed the flexibility. So that was a big part. Right. I was, I started my practice out of necessity, honestly. Right. And you were um, the ultimate working lawyer mom. Yes. And it's hard, you know, uh, for women, obviously, who have all this pressure placed on them to be, black women in particular, yes. to be uh, earners, mothers, yes. wives, to be as super women, basically. Yes, exactly. And I, so I, I did, I did very, very well immediately out of law school in my practice. I was making very good money. And one of the firms that had rejected me. Right. Talk about that. We talk about our successes and our failures. Yeah. Uh, I, I applied to about 1,900 law firms. 1,900? Yes. 1,900. 1, yeah. At least. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Wow. I was all in. Do they even have 1,900 law firms in this country? Yes. <laughs> Apparently so. Yeah. I'm sorry. It was 792. I, it would cost me $1,900. Each time. I, so what I did was I hired a service. There was a service that had a database for me to say, okay, these are the, this is the size. This is the practice right. areas. They, this is back, you know, this is before online, folks. So we had to actually mail cover letters and resumes. And so this service, I paid this service to write a cover letter and to the hiring partner and send a resume to all, to 797 law firms. It cost wow. me $1,900. So that's, wow. I've never heard of anything such, like such, such Oh, like yeah. That. Wow. I'm speechless. I can't even get the words out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so I applied, so, so that's when I was getting those interviews and getting, because this, when I gave them the size of the law firm, because I didn't want large firm, because right. I knew I couldn't, couldn't make that commitment. Meet the, right. So, and they were t saying, you know, $50,000. I, 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 that, I just can't do that. Right. Not after all. Not I mean, after all. No. Law school costs that. a lot of money. Even, law school. Even back exactly, then. Exactly. Even back then. Right. So one of the law firms that I applied for, which was a medium-sized law firm in Prince George's County, that said no. Prince George's County is in Maryland. Prince George's County in Maryland. And so... Suburb of D.C. About a year after I started my practice, I was doing uh, a lot of volunteer pro bono. I was going to this clinic because I... I so knew were, how to run were, a business. You were on the grind. Yes, I like, knew how to run a business, but I didn't necessarily know how to practice law, right? right? So I was doing this pro bono stuff to learn family law so that I could, you know, handle these cases. And one of the partners approached me. She asked me to stay late and she said, I really like you and I've been following you, watching you. I think that if you bring your practice to this law firm, we could give you the support that you need to really take your career to the next level. And so she made an offer to me for them to for for them to acquire my practice for me to to go there. I mulled that over for months. Months, wow. Months because I was like, I'm making all this money. Right. Do I want to give these people my money? You know. But she was right in that, you know. I was great at running a business. I really was not the best lawyer. 
that I could be, right? And right. so because you you have to choose as an entrepreneur, it's you have hard to choose. It's like, oh, yeah. you're a business person or you're a lawyer. Yeah. It's hard to be both. I have the same, I've encountered the same problem in, in, in my career. Yeah. And so my husband, who's in real estate, again, this was a recession happening. This is 2008. The biggest recession biggest in recession. our lifetime. So my husband says, you might want to, <laughs> we might want to take that job, right? Because what I didn't know was, is my yeah, my business is doing great. Is it going to continue to? At least if I go there, we've got health insurance. We were planning right. on getting another, we were buying another house, selling our house, buying another house. So I went, best decision. At that time in my life, that was what I needed. I did not have to think about business. I didn't have to worry about getting clients, although I did that, right? I mean, I was a very non-traditional associate, right. but I didn't have the weight of that on right. me. I could focus on... Talk about the weight of that, because people don't understand oh. that you've got to actually have people pay you money to represent them in whatever, and yes. those people might not always have money to pay you. They may think that they have it at a certain time, but then they say, well, you know, I'm going to pay my cable bill, or I'm going to pay yeah. my car note, and Laura yeah. can wait. And if you're not, you know... And if you're not, if you don't have strong marketing skills, you don't even have the luxury of that client not being able to pay you, right? Like you're, you're wondering right. where your next client is going to come from. So when you are running a business, for many of us, we didn't learn that in school. We didn't learn it. No, and we didn't have parents to tell us and that And we didn't either. have parents that tell us and that. And that's so, common, I, I found, in, in my life and practice yes. with African-Americans. Absolutely. We don't have the same support system. And I didn't realize myself until I started um, this business and, and making money myself how much I didn't know. Yeah. And uh, even today, even in 2023, I still am like, wow, we are so far behind oh, yeah. our counterparts of other races. Oh, listen, I did a series, a social media series for Juneteenth, and I gave a lot of statistics. One of the statistics that I found out that absolutely blew my mind was that in at the time the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, African-Americans in the United States held 0.5% of the wealth in this country. I'm going to let you guess. Yeah. What do you think it is today? You know what? 1%. 1.5%. Wow. A, a century and a half right. since we've been freed as slaves, that's, we've that's... only grown wealth by 1%. That that should piss and, everyone right. off that hears that. And I'm going to tell you who's got that 1%, the NBA and the NFL. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's insane, right? That's, 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 that's insane. Even if your numbers were off by two or three percentage points, yeah. it's still, it's it's shocking. It's shocking. It's, it's, shocking. it's shocking, but it's not shocking. It's shocking, but it's because not shocking. Because when you think yeah. about it, when when a, when a any group of people, a group of people is taken from wherever they're from, yeah. brought to somewhere strange, it's a different language, it's a different culture, you're with you're mixed with different ethnic groups, and then you're enslaved and beaten and raped for literally hundreds of years, yeah. and then you're told one day it's over. All right, go figure it out. Right. Right. But we're gonna make the, we're gonna pass all these laws. Yes. To prevent you from housing, housing, intellectual property, all of that, everything, everything that that you can do to make money and acquire wealth, we're gonna make sure you can't do it. Right. And for years. For for years. 
Centuries. Centuries, right. Even, you know, slavery ended, what, 1860, what, three or five? Five. Five, yeah. So we're in 2023, at least. My math isn't great, so I'm not I think it's 159 or 160, something like that. And I only know that because I just did the right. stats. <laughs> Lawyers don't go to math school, like, we right? We don't. We don't. <laughs> but seriously, though, it's the fact that we have what we do have yeah. is amazing. Yeah. But it's not enough. And it's just, it's... I, you know, I was ignorant myself. I thought I had a pretty good life until I met some of my the counter my <laughs> counterparts and yeah. friends from other races. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Average average net worth of a black family in the U.S. is twenty four thousand one hundred dollars. Wow, what a statistic! Average net worth of a white family in America is one hundred seventy two thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean, you can believe it like, today. Right. Not 1865. Right. Today. Well, I, really I really heard that in my headphones. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, I get you know I get hype right. about this. And this is why I do the work that I do. Right. We have got to figure out how to do this. And the fastest way for us to do it is to create and leverage our intellectual property. Right. And that's a good segue to one thing I've I've wanted to ask you a long time. I saved it. I didn't I didn't ask you ahead of time. Because I wanted to get your raw legal advice. It's not even about me, so don't worry. It's not. Okay. You know, you are you're on the lawyers' hip hop happy hour, so you know I love music and it's my passion. I'm I'm kind of a frustrated musician, you know, myself. But that's a whole nother story. Um, I'm from New Orleans. Most people know that. And um, there's an artist you may not have heard of her. Uh, shout out to Cheeky Black. I don't know if you ever heard of Cheeky Black. She's an artist by the name of Cheeky Black. She was popular wow. in the uh, early to mid 1990s. Um, you heard you know about bounce music though, right? Yes. You, you know about it now because it's Big Frida. Big Frida, right? Right. <laughs> shout out Big Frida, um, who we trying to get on the show. We got my my <laughs> co-creator uh, who's off camera right now is working on that now. So when I go home to New Orleans, I'm trying to get, leverage my newfound celebrity with the, <laughs> with the locals. But anyway, that's a whole nother story. Uh, Cheeky Black came out in an era when music was very regional, right? I mean, yeah. it wasn't, there wasn't in the internet. There weren't like national deals for people. They were just like, for example, in, in DC, you know, Go-Go is like the local music. Absolutely. And Go-Go is a DC thing. Yes. And it's very DC. Bounce music is very New Orleans. Yes. So Cheeky Black has this song called Twerk Something. Now you're familiar with this with the with the um the term twerk, right? If you get ready to ask me to get up and twerk, <laughs> I, I am walking out of here. You're a married, you're a married woman with just like what you come on. It's a I'm family kidding. show. What are we talking about? Because <laughs> you're like, I saved it. You right. heard a twerk something. Get up and twerk something. The, the, the cameras are rolling. <laughs> twerk. <laughs> no, just kidding. This is a family show. I'm playing. I know. All right. The word, we've been saying that word in New Orleans since the early 90s when Cheeky Black yeah. put it out. I feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they were not saying twerk in D.C. in the mid-90s. No, no. In my theory, and I believe I'm correct on this, and I'm just very, I get very passionate about I see. this. Is it's not even about the word itself. It's it's well, it's a, it's a couple of different issues here. We we talk about appropriation of culture. We talking about intellectual property. Yes. And you're an, you are an intellectual property attorney. Yes. So I need to get your opinion on this because I'm a, I'm gonna talk to Cheeky Black about this when I talk to her and ask her her feelings. Miley Cyrus 
You know who Miley Cyrus is? I know who Miley Cyrus is. Miley Cyrus brought twerking to the national, to the United States. She she introduced the world. Yes. You agree, right, of course, because she's the one who put it out there. Well, she had, the, she had a platform. Right. Miley Cyrus went to New Orleans and got that word, that dance. Now, twerking is a dance that yes. we're not, which we, you're not going to do, we know. That, and that's what Cheeky Black was talking about in her song. Right. It's, it's twerk something. It says twerk something, you know, and there's other words I can't say on this show. But she talks about it. And she, it, It's a New Orleans bounce classic. It's one of the foundational songs of bounce music. She's, she, I'm sure she's not rich from the song, right? right? She's said twerk something, and other people said it after her, yeah. right? Which is common in music. People borrow from people all the time. But the difference is they got to get paid. If I say something... Now, this is where your expertise comes in. I don't know. But I know in hip-hop music, samples are a huge thing, right? That, yes. That's, it's based on samples. And Biz Marquis was one of the first ones who, well, was sued because he uses certain samples um, in music without permission. But Miley Cyrus took that word, that concept, that, not the song itself, but she brought it to the world and she gets credit for it. Cheeky Black... If, unless you're from New Orleans, I don't know how you would know that that she that that's it's, I never heard of her and never knew anything about right. her. Right, it's hers. The song is hers. The word is hers. Well, but, let's talk let's about talk that. About that. Let's talk about let's that. Let's talk about it. Because that we, let me know, we don't attorney. Own, we can't own words. So let's talk about what intellectual property is. All right. Okay. And so so intellectual property comes in different forms. We don't own words. Okay. okay, we can trademark words. Right. Right? We can trademark words. Such as twerk. Such as twerk. Or 3P. Possibly. As it relates to the sale. Right. In commerce of certain products or goods or services. So the word twerk by itself, it has zero value. It's a word... In the dictionary. I don't know if it's in Webster's or it's certainly uh, in the probably, Urban Dictionary. It's probably right? in Webster's now. It's simply a word. So now, had Cheeky, am I saying her name right? Yeah, Cheeky. Miss Black, Cheeky Miss Black. Black. Had <laughs> Cheeky come out and, and built a brand around the word twerk, and she's got twerk merchandise, she's got What about twerk, a song? She got a song saying a, twerk song. Okay, let's talk about the song. The song itself, there's multiple pieces of intellectual property to it. There's the beat. Right. That's protected. The trigger man beat is what the bounce okay. be used. Shout there are the man. lyrics. <laughs> the lyrics right. are protected, but the words themselves are not. Okay. The lyrics, the beat, and then the master. Once you put it, to, put it, you know, put, put that it all together. together. So what you and the vocals. Me, the vocals are another piece. Is that this is if her her song that let's assume, and I don't know this for a fact, that she created all those things, the 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 beat. The 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 uh, the vocals she definitely did the vocals right and the other the other things, the lyrics the lyrics which let's assume she wrote her own lyrics yes she could have gone to the trademark office copyright, copyright we protect office. those things by copyright okay and um and copyrighted her materials so that means that anybody who comes behind her and uses those words no it's not the word it, oh it, uses okay tell me tell me tell <laughs> it's me. the lyrics. 
So if we, you know, tell me the lyrics of the song. Give me the. I, I, I can't repeat that on okay. the show. My kids. So might if listen to this. if someone <laughs> wanted to repeat those that right. that bar, all right, they would have to ask her for permission. Right. But the word twerk by itself, no. Hmm. Interesting. No. No. So what you're telling me is that she's got no case against Miley Cyrus at all. I mean, what? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm disappointed to hear that. I really am. No. But it goes to the larger. Now, if Miley, let's, if Miley was to actually sample it, that would be different. Right. But saying the word. So appropriate, so, so cultural appropriation is. It's not a cause of action. <laughs> it's not a cause of action. That's what we learned today. Yes. You can't help somebody who's been culturally appropriated. <laughs> no. That's a that's a shame. That is really. Shame. But but there's a remedy to that. Which, As a culture, I just did a tech, I just did a podcast episode on this. All right, let's go. And we're gonna um, shout out your podcast. I'm sorry, I should have talked led with that. Build your own table podcast. I just recorded a, a found wherever you get your podcast. Right? Found at wherever you get your podcast. You go to buildyourowntablepodcast.com and you can listen on the, listen to the episodes on any platform. I just did this because a lot of people have been tagging me and sending me this. Have you heard about what ha- what recently happened? You know, Pharrell got the Louis Vuitton, this deal with Louis Vuitton, and he released this new collection. Maybe I heard, heard about it. it. Okay. I did. He replaced Virgil. You know, Virgil passed away. Mm-hmm. So there's this in- independent indie designer who went viral in 2019 because she took the Louis Vuitton shopping bags. So when you go to Louis Vuitton and you buy something, she took the shopping bag. I wouldn't bag. know about that. I don't have as much money as you do, but okay. <laughs> she took the Louis Vuitton <laughs> shopping bag and she put handles on it and she wrapped it in like this, you know, PVC and made it a cute little bag. She went viral. It was everywhere. Louis Vuitton in this latest collection that Pharrell dropped releases a bag like that. Right. That they're now selling for thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And so she goes on TikTok and she goes on a rant calling out Louis Vuitton and Pharrell for stealing her, um, for stealing her her design. And so lots of people had different feelings about this. Some people say, well, it wasn't hers. It was Louis Vuitton. She didn't really have the right to it. Right. So I did a podcast episode about us understanding intellectual property, protecting ourselves. Right. So Cheeky needed to do something right. more than just say the word twerk. She needed to do something so that and sell something related to it other than just the lyrics of the song so that she could have trademarked it. Then Miley wouldn't be able to do that. And this goes to the, the back to bring it full circle to our access as a people, yes. our lack of access to this type of knowledge. Yes. Because we throughout history, particularly in music history, we make this music we don't own it. It can be used by yes. others. It's changing a little bit now, but you know, this culture, African American culture, is American culture, obviously. Yes. And but but the persons who are the creators of it and the persons who um, have put it out there and 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 done all this stuff to to make this wonderful music are not historically have not haven't been paid. For their uh, for their work, correct, and that really, really, really um, is a sensitive topic for me. Um, and uh, I still think Cheeky Black should get paid. I don't care what you say. Well, um, I mean, and Cheeky can get paid because Miley when Cyrus play the song. Miley Cyrus has 
made it her own. And everybody knows what twerk is now because of her. Yeah. Because this, you know, this one person who went to the city, saw the, saw the culture, adopted it, appropriated yeah. it is the better term. Yeah. And, uh, well, it happens all the time. It, it does. does. It's unfortunate. Um, but you know, it is what it is, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, before we let you go, I would like for you to tell all the listeners where they can find you and, um, what, uh, when they're looking for a lawyer for a particular uh, thing to protect, what should they what should they be looking for, and, and what can you help them with, basically? Okay, so I am. You can find me on uh, online. I have two websites: uh, www.nakiagray.com. That's really me personally, my personal brand. If you're looking for speaking or anything like that, I do coaching as well, helping people build their business. And then my law firm's website is lockedandlawyeredfirm.com. Locked and lawyered. And it's trademarked. All right. <laughs> and that is where you will find all of all of our services. So my primary services, I actually have a subscription membership. A lot of business owners need a lot of legal advice, but they don't necessarily have the 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 ability to pay for a lawyer every time they need one, right? right? And so I have a I've created an amazing community of creative entrepreneurs and they pay a monthly fee, very low monthly fee to be a part of this community and I have all the resources that they need to form their LLC, get a contract if they need for someone that's, you know, trying to hire them or if they're hiring, you know, a team member or a freelancer or a virtual assistant, I have a, a whole library of contract templates that they can choose from. They also have um, access to all of my resources on copy, how to copyright and protect their content, how to trademark their content if they or their brand if they're looking to do some trademarking, and then they get to come. We have to, we meet twice a month. I do a, a session. So not only do they have access to all these things, but you actually meet with them. I meet with them twice a month. So so uh, last week we met. We have a Q and A. So if they have a legal question, they come and they ask questions. And tomorrow we meet. I do um, a coaching. I do business training. How many days a week do you do that? The coaching. One. It's once a month. Okay. Once so a month. they get okay. to. It's twice a month. They get to come and it's a group session. They meet each other. They, you know, so network. they can make their connections. They make their connections. They, you know, work with each other, hire each other, refer each other. It's because when you're, and you know this, when you're an entrepreneur, you, sometimes you just feel like. No one else gets it, especially right. if you're married to someone who's not an entrepreneur. You don't really have, you, you know. don't have a nine to five. You don't have coworkers. Right. You don't have coworkers. I said to my wife all the time. Cooler. I said, I haven't talked to anybody in 24 hours. <laughs> yes. Why are you not talking to me? Yes. Yes. So I give them that and it's great. And then they, if they, if something comes up, they can ask me, you know, they can, they can get my advice. I had a, a one of my members today. She is, um, She's just got a contract with the gov federal government, which is huge. Nice. And she got the contract and she sent it to me and said, look at this. And there's a part in there that says that the work that she's doing, the, this presentation, they want to own it. And she's like, I don't want them to own this. This is my intellectual property, right? But she wouldn't even be having that conversation if she weren't, right. if she hadn't been in my community for two years. Even though it's never been an issue for her, she's seen it. She's heard me talk about it. And that she saw that language and said, something doesn't sound quite right about this. And so she gets to send that to me and I will advise her on what she needs to do. That's that's awesome. That's really, uh, really, really helpful. And you're able to represent clients 
All over the country, right? Yes. Not just in the D.C. area. That's correct. Intellectual property is is federally regulated, and so it's a federal uh, matter. I can represent. So all forward. fifty states. All. 50, I have a lot of international. There, I have a lot of um, international clients as well. There are lots of people in other countries that are doing business in the U.S. and get U.S. trademarks. So I have a, a pretty strong portfolio of trademarks that are international. Wow, Nakia Gray, mom, wife. Super lawyer and super rich with international clients. <laughs> That's what I'm taking away from this interview. <laughs> I might need to hit you up for a loan when we get out of here. <laughs> I need to be paying me, not paying you. I, look, <laughs> I can't afford to pay you. You are so funny. Well, look, thank you so much for coming on. I, I know we still have to talk about music, and I, I want to save that for our our next interview. It's oh, hip hop happy sorry. hour. But yes, I gotta give my social media. Okay, of course, please do TikTok. Your small biz attorney, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Nakia Gray ESQ. And we do in, in, in uh, the episodes, a behind the scenes episode where we'll give all your information. Okay. So make sure you let me know. I already know what it is, but <laughs> in case there's some stuff I don't know about, make sure you please uh, let me know. What I will it is. do that. Well, thank you so much and looking forward to talking to you soon. Nikia. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us on this month's segment of the Lawyers Hip Hop Happy Hour. Please follow the podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel at the Lawyers Hip Hop Happy Hour. I'll see you next month. Catch you on the B-side.